where are the low value men? Like, what are what are all the low value men up to during these trying times? Because the high value men, they, I know they're around. They won't shut the fuck up. Low value men, I have not heard a word out of. I'm starting to think I'm on their side. I think I want one of those. I want a low value man. They don't make podcasts. I haven't seen one low value man make a podcast. Do they not know how to use microphones? Maybe that's a good thing. That's that's hot. All right. I haven't seen. I've never seen a man use a microphone for good. Until now, everybody buckle up. It's low value mail time with your host, Danny Polishchuk. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to an all new episode of Low Value Mail on this Tuesday, July 18th, 2023, the year of our Lord. This is episode number 70. And if you could tell, if you could tell in the the sound of my voice, I am jazzed for this one because joining us tonight, we have none other than Nick Bryan. If you don't know who Nick Bryan is, well, you're, uh, you're going to know, you're going to, you're going to know. I think this, this one is right up all the, uh, all of our, all of our alleys, if you will. Uh, Nick Bryan is a reporter and he's the author of the Franklin scandal, the upcoming book, the truth about Watergate, a tale of extraordinary lies and liars, and is the director of the nonprofit organization, Epstein justice, which seeks justice on behalf on behalf of the victims of Jeffrey Epstein and his co-conspirators. Uh, and he also uh, released Jeffrey Epstein's little black book. Uh, and he has been he's been on the Epstein case since 2012. We're going to talk to him. We're going to bring him on very uh, shortly. But I just have to have a few things to get out of the way. And then we're just going to get to it. There's no need to drag any of this on. So. A uh, few notes, as always, please like and subscribe, do all that stuff, leave a rating review. It helps. Secondly, I, I tweeted about this. I posted about this. The after show is no longer, but so there's no, there's no more after show anymore. In lieu of the after show, we will be doing subscriber only streams, um, which are basically the same as the after show. And sometimes they might even happen when the after show normally did, but they just no, won't always be uh, after the show, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll be afternoons just so everybody can get a chance to join the after show live. Cause everybody has different, uh, schedules. So, and if you would like access to the after show and as well as to support, uh, the show, low value mail and everything I do, please sign up uh, at patreon.com slash low value mail, or you can become a Twitter subscriber. Basically what I'm going to do, and this is kind of the only thing that I'm going to have going forward. Um, is that uh, at 500 subscribers, I am going to add 30 minutes to the show, 250 subscribers. after. So at 500 subscribers, the show is going to be two and a half hours. At 750 subscribers, the show is going to be three hours. At 1,000 subscribers, we're going to hit three and a half hours. And then at 15 subscribers, the show will take its final form as a four-hour show with multiple guests. And I'll probably have a producer at that point. So if you want to help out with the show and help it get to a four hour show. Uh, just please sign up for the Patreon five bucks a month. And uh, I get all these extra guests, all this fun stuff. Hopefully don't get kicked off of YouTube. That's who knows what will happen. But anyways, uh, next week we have anomaly 
with us. If you guys know Anomaly, uh, he is going to be a guest next week. And tomorrow night, we are back with an all-new episode of The Bathhouse uh, live at 10.30 p.m. on this here channel. Uh, so please uh, check us out then, live from the Stan Comedy Club green room. All right, without further ado, give me one second, please, while I set this all up. Hold on. Let me see. And uh, Nick, let me just unmute him. Let me unmute myself. Let me unmute. Here we go. Nick, can you hear me there? Yep. Nick, welcome uh, to Low Value Mail. I appreciate you coming on the show. I'm uh, very excited for this one. I think a lot of people uh, are as well. So I appreciate you taking your time for this. So uh, without further ado, Nick, uh, it, can you just tell people about yourself for anybody who may not know who you are? My name is uh, Nick Bryant, and uh, I'm a writer. I These days, I specialize in dark, unsavory subjects like the government covering up child trafficking. I wrote a book about it um, called The Franklin Scandal, a story of power brokers, child abuse and betrayal, in which I demonstrated that there was a trafficking network. Uh, the, the epicenter was Omaha and they flew kids all around, but there was a house in Washington, D.C. that was wired for audiovisual blackmail. <clears throat> and politicians would get blackmailed uh, with these kids. Now. I started researching that book in 2002. It was before the Epstein case broke at all. And uh, people just kind of wrote me off. And then let me see, eight years ago, I published a book called Confessions of a DC Madam, The Politics of Sex, Lies and Blackmail. And that is also about a CIA hunting trap. It was the, the gay escort service was run by a gentleman named Henry Vincent. And I've also did a lot of research into Epstein and I acquired his black book in 2012 and I put it on the, I tried to pitch it to mainstream magazines and um, mainstream magazines really don't want to deal with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, More so now than before. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, when I was pitching the Franklin scandal to them, I could, I could see the cognitive dissonance in editor's eyes. They would say to themselves, this is really a horrible story and I should help Nick Bryant or, you know, I think I can just write off Nick Bryant is crazy and I can have a nice dinner with my family tonight. Right. So I ended up publishing Epstein's Black Book on the Internet in 2015, and it's certainly got a lot of play. And I've also written uh, uh, some very comprehensive articles about Jeffrey Epstein. And so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so none of this stuff, like, well, obviously everything that's come to light uh, since you kind of started on the Epstein stuff, none <laughs> of this has in any way vindicated you in the eyes of the people who were maybe not quite as interested in the past? Yes, it's interesting. I have people come up to me occasionally and say that that, that aren't in the publishing industry. that say, you were right. You were right. <laughs> But I, I've had no one in the publishing industry come up to me and say, you were right, you were right. And, um, and this Epstein uh, saga, it's really, uh, the government is obviously covering up a bunch of, uh, covering up for a bunch of child molesters. And 
as Americans, we cannot allow this to happen. With the Franklin scandal, there it was uh, pre-internet, and I had to do a lot of digging, and it, it was a message that people didn't want to hear. But now with Epstein, it's out there in the open. We know about Epstein. We know about blackmail. And he just settled the $290 million, or lawyers for victims just settled the $290 million lawsuit uh, against J.P. Morgan because J.P. Morgan knew what he was uh, knew what he was up to and played an integral role in, in financing him. So at this point, our government needs to acknowledge that Jeffrey Epstein was trafficking kids and we need indictments on a number of uh, perpetrators and procurers. And I've recently started a a nonprofit organization called Epstein Justice, and it's EpsteinJustice.com. EpsteinJustice.com. Yeah, the, link, the link's below for anybody who wants to check it out. And um, that's where I'm at now, is I'm trying to turn all these things that I've written about into into activism. Okay. And so you're trying, the purpose of uh, the nonprofit is um, to, to, is it just to essentially just justice for the victims? Yes, we need, okay, so we need two things from our government. It's interesting, not one single federal representative has called for an investigation into Epstein, even though we know there's a bunch of perpetrators and we know the names of a bunch of perpetrators. Yeah. Um, How is that possible other than, I mean, what we, I guess, probably all think, which is that they're all just, you know, these are their their pals, essentially. Well, I mean, it shows that... uh, our federal legislators, regardless of what we might think of them, um, really have shied away from this. So we need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And and that's what Epstein Justice is about. We've already put out, we, we started with a petition that's got 36,600 signatures. And then we put on a demonstration across the street from the Maxwell trial when that travesty of a trial was going down. What we need now is the Department of Justice to start indicting the little fish. The little fish are guilty. The thing about uh, child trafficking is it carries a 15 year to life sentence. So you could pile that up on a bunch of these uh, procurers and they would roll over on the perps. And we know who the perps are anyway. But and so we need accountability. Our government has to show us accountability for these perpetrators and procurers. And as Americans, we need to know why our government is covering this up. And because our government is covering up all these crimes committed by the Epstein perpetrators, in legal terminology, that would be aiding and abetting child trafficking. So yeah. And in your opinion, what is the reason why, like, do you have opinions on like why they have little to, I mean, I guess I say no interest in any of this. Yes. Um, and I wrote about it in the Franklin scandal and I wrote about it in confessions of a DC madam. Our politicians, a lot of them are blackmailed. A lot of them will gladly make Faustian pacts to become rich and powerful. But a lot of them are blackmailed. And we're, we have a system now where the, I believe that primary checks and balances are blackmailed. Um, 
and then there's the other politicians that are willing to sell their soul um, and they'll do anything. So we've got both kinds. And um, and if we bore into Epstein, I mean, our government has enacted and policy enacted policies that cause great wealth polarization um, during the pandemic. Millions of Americans lost everything, yeah. but a new billionaire was minted every day. And our government has also enacted legislation that tramples on our constitutional rights. And child abuse is pandemic. According to the Center for Disease Control, child abuse is pandemic in the United States. And a conservative figure is uh, more than 50 million uh, boys and girls are molested as minors. So this is something that we have to bore into. I think if we get the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and it's just not filled with political hacks and we auger into this issue, we will come across the cesspool that is our government that and, and enacts all these laws that that really only hurt Americans. Right. And is there maybe like a... Uh, not a case, but maybe like a claim to be made that should they do this reconciliation commission, the stuff that they're going to find would, would just be like, you know, it, it would just like rock the nation to the core. If they found out the extent to which this is um, happening. I, I think it probably would, but I mean, do we want our children? I'm, I'm kind of old now. I don't have any children. But uh, but do we want our children growing up with a government that protects child molesters? Um, that is something we have to ask ourselves. Would we trust anyone who is aiding and abetting child trafficking or any group who is aiding and abetting child trafficking? So how can we trust our government? And battles like this it's going to require the will of the American public because, um, and th they can be won, like civil rights. It was a battle and it took a long time, but it was a battle that was ultimately won. So we have the internet now, which can expedite these battles and we have to use the internet. And ultimately we put on one, demonstration. Epstein Justice is non-partisan. Uh, we have no affiliation whatsoever with any uh, parties. I, ha I have no affiliation whatsoever with uh, with the Democrats or the Republicans. Um, and we, we accept the right, the left, uh, and whatever creed or race. Um, it, we're, Epstein Justice is all-inclusive. Compared to um, QAnon, um, and I don't want to be compared to QAnon. According to QAnon theology, Donald Trump was going to save the children. And Donald Trump couldn't even indict the Epstein perpetrators. Yeah. So how was he going to save the children? Yeah. And so and you have, um, you know, obviously what you consider evidence of all, all of this stuff. And yet they only obviously found one person guilty of all this stuff. Ghislaine Maxwell. Right. Which. Yes. What, and what are your thoughts on on that? The fact that they're just that's all they're willing to do and kind of hoping to brush us under the. Well, that's where the American people have to come in and say, no, that's not right. The New York Times published an article on six procurers for Epstein, six procurers, which are really pimps mm -hmm. for Epstein. 
and Ghislaine Maxwell was named, but there were, I mean, it's right there in the New York Times. There's five of them that are named. And why aren't they indicted? And as I said earlier, if the if our Justice Department was going after this, like it would a RICO RICO is racketeering influence corrupt organization, which is the what the feds used to take the mafia down. What would happen is the little fish would get indicted on multiple counts of child trafficking and they'd roll over on the big fish. It would be that simple. And then we'd uh, eventually hopefully get our government back. Yeah. And I guess the the contention is that the people who would initiate that would be essentially snitching on themselves to a degree. Um, whatever it's going to take. I mean, that's what we have to do. The government at this point has gotten so corrupt. And. And, you know, a, a major symptomology of that is the protection of child molesters. I mean, yeah. how can we allow so, our government to protect child molesters? Yeah. And it's like it's so out in the open at this point, like the the stuff with with Jeffrey Epstein is it's literally become an actual joke. Right. Like the whole like he didn't kill himself, like wink, blah, blah, blah. Like it's it's almost like a meme at this point. It's so commonplace. Well, the media loves to. Here's the thing about our mainstream media. It loves to pump out salacious dirt about Jeffrey Epstein, um, but it it doesn't really call for justice. The mainstream media hasn't. I'm, I'm aware of a lot of articles written about Epstein, and I have not seen one article published in the mainstream media that calls for justice. That's I mean, that really demonstrates that both our mainstream media and our government are run by ethical eunuchs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. And I guess the, you said, uh, I've heard you say it, but you know, 90, what is it? 90% of the media is run by, uh, essentially six six, corporations, six corporations run 90% of the media and assuming that they're kind of to a degree in cahoots with, with one another. So, um, well, the thing about that is, um, the Sherman Antitrust Act allows the government to break up monopolies. So the six titanic conglomerates could be broken up with the Sherman Antitrust Act, but our government isn't using the Sherman Antitrust Act against them. So I think that there is some kind of uh, collusion where, okay, you don't use the Sherman Antitrust Act against us and we'll, we'll curtail it. On, on things like Jeffrey Epstein. Right. And, kind of do, to and like, you think that there's actual conversations to this extent being like had like as overt um, as this? I, I mean, I think that there's a, a lot of good people in the mainstream media. Why haven't they called for justice? Yeah. And I mean, it's it's pretty much that simple. I think that um, I mean, that really does demonstrate that there's some kind of I believe that there's some kind of collusion between the government and the media for sure. Yeah. And I, I think I'd have to bring this up in just light of of this and everything that's happening in the last few weeks. So do you have any thoughts on uh, Sound of Freedom? Um, I have yet to see Sound of Freedom, but I've, uh, I've my friends have seen it. Some of my friends have seen it and they said it's a good movie. The government is trying to, I mean, the media is trying to tag it as a QAnon uh, manifestation. I don't know. I have yet to see it, and um, but I'm going to yeah. see it. I, I haven't seen it either, um, but I know people who have seen it, and 
there's there's nothing QAnon apparently about the movie. The only QAnon linkage is Jim Caviezel, who's the star of the movie, has kind of been on given interviews about like adrenochrome and stuff, essentially that he, he does believe in that. So they're just using that one point to essentially smear the entire entire message. You know, the thing about adrenochrome is kind of interesting. I'll give you the etymology of that. It comes from uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. And um, now in the Franklin scandal, one of the victims, Paul Benassi, said that he was at a snuff film and someone introduced themselves as Hunter Thompson. Now, if you're going to participate in a snuff film, you would not introduce your real name. <laughs> at least I don't think so. Yeah, that'd, that'd no. Be, that'd be seismically stupid and um and then rusty nelson who was a blackmail photographer for the franklin trafficking network and that i have a lot of documentation on i mean but here's a guy that's a blackmail photographer he takes pictures of adults and children compromising positions so he's not he's not the paragon of ethics and on one radio show he said that uh hunter thompson was at something doing something and um so i made it easy for him i gave him pictures of five different writers instead of five completely different people i gave him pictures of five writers and he still couldn't pick hunter thompson who looks rather unique um, yeah absolutely so and this was one of the figures in the franklin scandal yeah rusty nelson okay. he, he, was, he was one of the blackmail photographers i mean i can prove that he was there i mean but here's someone He's a blackmail photographer. Right. I mean, he's not, as I said earlier, he's not going to be the paragon of ethics. Um, but I'm glad that he talked to me. Um, he He's uh, on the unctuous side. And when we get together, I really felt like I had to take a, a protracted shower afterwards. But uh, uh, yeah. he gave me a lot of great information that did pan out. But then he also lied to me, too. So and with investigations like that, you're dealing with people that lack ethics. And um, so you, you, one has to be cautious when they moving forward on investigations. Right. And with Rusty Nelson, the only time I used what he said is when I get, when it was heavily corroborated. All right. And so I, I imagine, were you at first, when you started getting into this stuff, were people calling you uh, like a conspiracy theorist? Like, was that kind of the um, kind of used to deride you a bit? I um, I've been called a conspiracy theorist since then. Um, I'm not. And my friends were kind of amazed that I I jumped into this because I'm not I wasn't a big conspiracy guy. I mean, I never really bought the magic bullet yeah. in the JFK assassination. I never I never bought that. But um, and I knew a little about the mind control stuff um but i that was about as deep as i went so this has been a learning experience and when i went to the mainstream media um with the franklin scandal that's when i started hearing the uh conspiracy theorist tag now what's really interesting about that is in 1967 the uh ci released a memorandum because a lot of people weren't buying what the Warren Commission was selling. And the CIA decided that they had to do something about that. So they disseminated, disseminated this memo to uh, editors and people with influence 
And I think I've got to post it on my website at nickbryanmyc.com. And the memo said that we're going to have to make people that don't believe in the Warren Commission, uh, the conclusions of the Warren Commission, we're going to call them conspiracy theorists. Really? Yes. And then, <laughs> and then they, and then there was a bunch of bullet points about you know how to how to uh, uh, make sure or how to disparage conspiracy theorists. So that, and, and what's really interesting about that is this was 1967. And after that memo, the term conspiracy theory, conspiracy theorist was used minimally in papers like the Washington Post and the New York Times. And then it, 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 it exponentially, the, the use of conspiracy theorist or conspiracy theory exponentially exploded. So when people are, uh, and I, and I do admit some things are very out there. Um, I try to pr approach everything agnostically, um, but there are some things that are very out there. I mean, the Franklin scandal and Epstein are way out there. Well, that's, I mean, I mean I'd say those are the main ones. So uh, for, uh, could you just give a quick, uh, some people might not actually know what the Franklin scandal is. If you could just maybe give, everybody knows Epstein, but. So the Franklin scandal um, gets its name from, the Franklin Credit Union. And Lawrence E. King of Omaha ran the Franklin Credit Union. And he also ran an interstate pedophile network with a gentleman named Craig Spence, who lived in Washington, D.C. I talked about his Spence's house being wired for audiovisual blackmail. Spence was a CIA asset. Um, I think King was too, but I can, I can show that Spence was a CIA asset. And those two ran a huge pedophile network. Um, and this I, is in I, the eighties. In the eighties, yeah, and I, I believe in the seventies and eighties. I believe that it was larger than Epstein's. Epstein had like a twenty-five year run, and the Franklin Trafficking Network had about a, a ten-year run. But the Franklin Network mass-produced a lot of child pornography. Um, these were were really evil guys, and. King eventually got busted for embezzling $40 million from the Franklin Credit Union. And a Nebraska Senate subcommittee was perplexed about that because King hadn't been audited and the Franklin Credit Union hadn't been audited in four years. And, and first of all, and second of all, it was supposed to have like $2.5 million in it. Not, uh, not King wasn't supposed to have like $40 million. Yeah. So they formed a subcommittee and Prior to forming the subcommittee, and uh, victims had come to, gone to social services, and actually the the police had investigated King and uh, and and the trafficking of children. There were uh, reports written about King um, either uh, as a child trafficker or as a uh, maker of child pornography, and the Omaha Police Department that investigation was completely quashed and it would come out that omaha police chief robert wadman was one of the perpetrators and ultimately what happened is the, the franklin committee after they congealed um these social services personnel went to them and they said king is a thief but he's also running an interstate pedophile network so they started to investigate that it, it, Law enforcement had been very successful at quashing everything, uh, both fate 
state and federal law enforcement had been. But this is local law enforcement in Nebraska. Yeah. They they were able to get, they were able to quash federal like investigations. No, no. The, uh, the feds quashed their own investigation. Oh, gotcha. And then, and then the state quashed its own investigation. And at this point, there were a number of reports about King and uh, the trafficking of children or the molesting of children or child pornography. So the Franklin Committee hired this amazing investigator. His name was Gary Caradori. And the FBI really, really fucked with him. And the FBI put a lot of pressure on the victims to recant accounts of their abuse. And there was a girl and a boy that wouldn't recant their accounts of abuse. But the girl, whose name was Alicia Owen, um, told Gary Caradori that the FBI was willing to, uh, wanting to tell, have her say that Gary Caradori had made scripts about the the entire child abuse allegations. And um, so Caradori, was had his back to the wall and he was an amazing investigator he ran a investigation service or an investigation agency that had like 130 employees oh wow and and he had been a a state patrol a nebraska state patrol investigator too he was uh he was a very and his thing was finding children that that were enmeshed in uh, prostitution yeah and like definitely like he had no scandals surrounding him like he was a very like uh you know Straight. straight up guy yeah. and then but he realized at a certain point that he needed pictures of this because he really needed absolute proof because he saw the th- there were two grand juries that were called a state and a federal grand jury and i don't know if your uh, viewers or listeners know about the particulars of a grand jury but grand juries are notoriously easy to corrupt um a special prosecutor is chosen and and he is the one and grand jurors are just people that have shown up for jury duty that have been found to a grand jury grand jury oh, is that all like- it is yeah it's I, i've always because i'm canadian actually so i don't think we even have grand juries in canada i've never it's a i don't know if it's a uniquely american thing but i don't r- really recall them or well, it's not as big of a deal as it is here because here it's always like grand jury like unseals some big indictment and it's, it seems like this very like uh it's like the gods of jurisprudence. Have yeah, spoken. kind of. So, yeah, there was a uh, a New York Supreme Court judge that said special prosecutors have so much power over grand jurors that they could get them to indict a ham sandwich. So although there were a lot of victims, um, this grand jury just wore these grand jurors down. I'm talking about the state grand jury. And I've got the transcripts and exhibits to that grand jury. It's illegal for me to have them, but I have them and they play an integral role in the Franklin scandal. I bring the reader right into a grand jury. Yeah. And um and I and I show how corrupt that grand jury was. And then the, the And now like it's grand- it's corrupt like obviously the actual individual how many jurors is it? A dozen? Same as Yeah. And so they're, they're just kind of like, they're just kind of, they don't even know. They've just been. They're, they're completely just, dependent upon the special prosecutor. And they're just being lied to, essentially. The special prosecutor chooses the witnesses and chooses the exhibits that are shown to them. So it's basically so, like a trial. They, they go through a trial, just like a sealed trial. It's, there's no trial. It's not adversarial at all. It's, it's not adversarial. It's just, it's just a presentation, essentially. Yes. It's a, basically a presentation by one guy. 
And in both these cases, uh, both with the state and the federal grand juries, um, they were very, very corrupt. And, and the special prosecutors were very corrupt. And I believe that one of the special prosecutors was probably a pedophile for the uh, federal grand jury investigation. Jesus. And th these grand juries declared that not a single um, <laughs> that not a single child had been abused. And they said it was a carefully crafted hoax. And then they pinned the hoax on a bunch of drug addled kids. I mean, they didn't really name it, but they kind of insinuated that it was these drug addled kids. That, and how know, did they arrive at a bunch of children all somewhat independently having a similar story? Um, well, they didn't account for that. I mean, <laughs> well, I think I was just like, it was just, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was fiction. Yeah. And, um, but it did indict, there were two kids that refused to recant. One was Alicia Owen and she was indicted on eight counts of perjury by the, uh, state grand jury, which is 160 years. And then she was indicted on eight counts of perjury from the federal grand jury, which is 40 years. And she was, and this is a 20 year old girl yeah. who'd been trafficked as an adolescent, who'd been through all kinds of humiliation. And, this and, is uh, literally her punishment for coming forward. Degradation. Yes. So she was looking at, and, and this kid is amazing. She was looking at 200 years in prison, but she refused to recant accounts of her abuse. She said, I was abused and I'm not going to, I'm not going to recant it. So that led to the longest criminal trial in Nebraska history. And Alicia got a pretty good lawyer, but the, the, the judge was corrupt. Um, the special prosecutors uh, or the prosecutors were corrupt um, and they corrupted the jury. In my book, I really take that, uh, that apart, that, that whole jury uh, or that, that court room hearing. I, I completely take it apart. I mean, yeah. um, evidence is evidence that wasn't introduced into the trial is being planted in the jurors um where the jurors are deliberating and um and then the the jurors would ask for exhibits but they wouldn't be given exhibits so there there weren't there's so much malfeasance in that trial but anyway um alicia was found guilty and sentenced to between nine and 15 years in prison and the authorities really tried to destroy her because they put her in solitary confinement for two years. For two years? I mean, we're years? talking a kid. Yeah, it's like a kid yeah, who... We're, we're, we're talking a kid. A kid who, who, was, who was, was just charged for, what, perjury? For perjury, yes. Yeah. Um, and the, now they just barely got Alicia. They thought Alicia would be a slam dunk. They thought that they would have the FBI agents testify and this guy testify and that guy testify um, and that Alicia would be a slam dunk. But actually those jurors were deliberating for, for three days. And on um, the, the first night of the deliberation, CBS's 48 hours ran an episode calling Alicia a liar. I mean, it was an amazing synchronicity. Yeah. Um, Do and, you think and that's a, a coincidence or no? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if man. I believe it's in coincidences, a, but that's a, that's a very strange coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, and and a lot of the jurors had said that that forty eight hours played an integral role in them 
uh, deciding to convict Alicia. They were allowed to watch. Aren't they like sequestered though? They were allowed to watch. No, they they no, they weren't sequestered. Oh, and um, now uh, because there was another boy named Paul Benassi who was indicted on three counts of perjury, so he was looking at sixty years, and he refused to recant to his abuse, and because the Nebraska authorities just barely got Alicia by the skin of their teeth. They dropped all the perjury charges against Paul. And Paul basically said the same things that Alicia said, um, that uh, Alicia had been molested by Omaha Police Chief Robert Wadman, and that the publisher of the Omaha World, Harold, uh, Harold Anderson, liked little boys that were like seven or eight years old, and that he'd been molested by Harold Anderson. And did the two of them know each other? Uh, yes. Well, they, okay. they knew each other from the party, the quote unquote Right, because they basically had these like crazy yeah. parties where people and they would be flown around the country. Yes. Um, Paul was flown around a lot more than Alicia. Alicia was kind of like part time, whereas Paul was uh, full time. Right. And then uh, the investigator, Gary uh, Caradori. So Gary Caradori, he saw what was happening with the, the grand jury. He was called before the grand jury and, and he could see that it was really corrupt. And he decided that he, the only thing that he could do was get pictures of what went down. And what happened with Gary Caridor is he, he had a Cessna and he flew from Lincoln, Nebraska, where he was headquartered to Chicago. And he met Rusty Nelson, who I've talked about previously, the blackmail photographer. Yeah. And Rusty gave him blackmail pictures. Now, other than Rusty saying that, I have four other sources that say that Gary Caridori got pictures in Chicago. And he was flying back to Lincoln and his plane exploded in a, in a cornfield in Lee County, Illinois. What are the odds? And the pictures were never found. The pictures that he acquired were never found. And the assumption is someone put some sort of like bomb on his plane. Well, you know, Cessna, Cessnas generally don't break apart no. in, in mid-flight. Um, it's 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 highly unlikely. Actually, I, I talked to some people that were aeronautic experts, and they said that that would be next to impossible for a Cessna to just kind of uh, disintegrate in midair. That's and his was his son with him on that. His flight? son was with him too, and both of, both of them were killed. And then the grand and then the uh, corrupt grand juries came out with uh, with their uh, hoax, saying that the child abuse allegations were a hoax. And um, and then the the media went with it, and the New York Times went with it, the uh, Washington Post went with it. This is like such, I mean, talk of conspiracies. Like this seems like a conspiracy of conspiracies. This is truly like the, the, the timing and like how, like, you know, that the, his plane exploding is clearly a message to anybody involved. Like, yeah, there's a Chinese proverb, uh, kill one man and silence a thousand. And uh, in Gary Caridori's case, kill a man and his son and silence a community. That's when I started investigating the Franklin scandal, it was like um, I was there in 2002. So I and it was the last adjudication for it was uh, in 1991. 1990, 1991. And so I was there like 12 years after a lot of it went down. 
And I felt like people were so frightened to talk about it. I felt like I was writing an expose on the KGB and Stalinist Russia. I mean, yeah. that's that's how frightened. And then in the heartland of America, that's how frightened people were. That's pretty uh, pretty unreal. So who um, who was all punished for, uh, in, uh, other than obviously um, Larry King, like in terms of the Franklin scandal, like who, wh whatever justice uh, came from it? There was no justice. Uh, King was put away for 10 years. But for a financial crime. For embezzling $40 million. And uh, when he got out, he had a no-show job at a BMW, BMW dealership and, um, in Virginia. And since then, he's tried to ingratiate himself into three groups where that would give him access to children. Still? Yes. He's still alive? Yes. And he's a, a guy like Lawrence King. He's a super predator. And uh, he's like a great white shark looking for kids. And uh, he got enmeshed with Granville Academy. And I heard about that. And Granville Academy isn't even a school. It takes lower socioeconomic children on field trips. Jesus. So I put an end to that. And then next he surfaced with the Washington Redskins event committee. And then I put the kibosh on that. And then he surfaced with Opera Nova. Uh, or, yeah, Opera Nova. And it's a... Uh, it, 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 it serves a number of functions, but it, it teaches lower socioeconomic kids how to sing. And then I got him kicked out of there. But there are people in the government that know he's a super predator. And it's up to me as a journalist to try to protect these kids by making sure that he doesn't get into these organizations. Like I you mean, literally how... have to just follow him. Like, what do you do? You just periodically check in on him just to see. Yeah, I, uh, I keep a close eye on uh, on on him. I, uh, whenever he sticks his malignant head up, and I think he's uh, he's stuck it up recently. I'm, I'm I've got to look into it. Uh, but what, yeah, whenever he sticks his malignant head up, and he's I'm, always just and he's trying to just get involved with it. That's crazy. But so he's never been convicted of any sexual crime. So there's no registry, nothing. No, no. And that's by design, in your opinion. Like that is by design, and it's and and again with Epstein justice. Here is another case where the government, there are people in the government that know that this guy is a super predator and they're just allowing him to prey on children. Just because in, in their mind, like essentially unraveling that ball will cause them so much more, so many more problems that they're just allowing this kind of like evil to just happen. Yeah, I mean, if he gets out of control, I mean, he'd probably end up dead like uh, Craig Spence, who was um, his. Craig Spence was the other guy that ran the Franklin Pedophile Network, and he was in Washington, D.C. He was a lobbyist, and as a, he had a mansion that was um, wired for audiovisual blackmail as a CIA asset, and um, he committed suicide. On the Internet, it's speculated that he was suicided, but... Um, his finances had been pulled from him and he had AIDS. And I think it, it, I, I think that dark malignant corner of our intelligence that perpetrates things like the Franklin scandal and Epstein um, told him that uh, either he should kill himself or they would help. And he ended up in the uh, Ritz Carlton in Boston in a tuxedo and he took an overdose of nortripoline. And next to him was an article that talked about CIA 
people being called before uh, judiciary bodies. And he had, there was a, actually, there was a grand jury in Washington, D.C. that covered this up too. And Spence had been subpoenaed by that grand jury. And um, so I think at that point, and he was getting, Spence was getting a lot of newspaper press on him, just as Epstein was getting a lot of press. Um, and if you're a blackmail artist, you cannot afford to get a lot of blackmail press, a, right. a lot of press, because people are going to know exactly what you're up to at that point. Right, kind so of gives, it, gives it up. Both uh, Spence and uh, Jeffrey Epstein lost their utility at that point. And what's interesting, going back to the grand juries, there was a grand jury um, that in Florida, a state grand jury that looked into Epstein and um, the uh, Omaha, the uh, Palm Beach Police Department had uh, the reports of five victims and corroborating statements. And then, but they knew of 17 more victims. So they were aware of 22 victims and that uh, Barry Kirshner, the guy who ran that grant, the special prosecutor of that grand jury only called one, one of those kids. And he deconstructed. And has he ever given an explanation as to. Uh, he has not. No. And no, I guess he's just like, I don't, I don't owe anyone an explanation for any of this stuff. Um, unfortunately, the media really hasn't asked him for an explanation. And um, and then the feds, with the Epstein situation, the feds had a list of 36 underage victims. And I've, I've got the list. And Alexander Acosta, who was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida, oversaw that case. And he eventually became... Trump's labor secretary. And when he was being vetted for that position, uh, I guess the Trump people asked him um, why he didn't go after Epstein. And he said that I was told that Epstein was intelligence and to leave him alone, it was above my pay grade. And he's never recanted that. Really? And now here's the really troubling thing. A U.S. attorney, there's only two people constitutionally in the government that can tell a U.S. attorney to stand down. One is the president and one is the attorney general. So it's essentially so, like a level of corruption. That's yes, that's that's the level of corruption. Permeates every like yes. every corner of, of the government, basically. That's why Epstein justice is so important at this point. We, we, we do. We, we've got to clean our government out of, of this perfidious stench. And um, and it's it's really up to us as Americans. And is it a matter of resources for Epstein Justice in order to uh, kind of see through your goal on this? Like is, we is that... um, we we just launched last week, and uh, we need as much help as we possibly can. Um, we've got a we've got a good staff, um, but we need a bigger staff, and we've got a great board of advisors, um, but we need a bigger board of advisors, and we've gotten some money, but we need we need some more resources. So. Um, and the goal is to uh, have nonviolent, non-politically partisan demonstrations, and then ultimately a truth and reconciliation commission. That's what we have to do. Um, if Americans can't answer the bell to this, 
um, they're just going to have to let their children live in this uh, very corrupt yeah. world. And now, it, it, I mean, I would imagine if there was, you know, the Franklin scandal, I'm sure there was something before that. Then there was Epstein. Is there something similar to this, in your opinion, that must be going on? Or is this becoming so um, just like reaching the public awareness that they're now having to figure out new ways to blackmail people, I guess, at, um, at those levels? The thing about politicians is our politicians are highly sexed and very arrogant. And nothing makes people stupid like sex and arrogance. And, and greed, too. Um, those three things make the smartest of people very, very stupid. So with Bill Clinton. Um, Bill Clinton uh, is a very smart guy, but uh, when it comes to lower chakra predilections, he just can't help himself. Yeah. And again, like, you know, when we talk about this conspiracy stuff or, you know, corruption, you're like, he's one of the people implicated in this whole thing, right? Yeah. He like, was how at, is that uh, supposed to work? Like, are, like, is, is the, you know, like, you know, as crazy as it is, like, you know, because people have no problem saying, like, put Trump in jail. Like, you know, that's a half the country's like, yeah, we'll, we'll put a former president in jail. But it seems like when they get to this one, they're like, you know, surely we can't put a president in jail. Well, Epstein was providing women to Clinton when he was in the White House. And um, Clinton was certainly at his island. I do not know whether or not these uh, women were of the age of consent? I do not know. Yeah. But think about it. If you're a victim and you've been molested by Bill Clinton, I mean, how are you going to come forward? You would be terrified. Of course. And I mean, there have been women who came forward when he was governor, right? Yes. And they're like, you know, they've been smeared endlessly. They've been excoriated. Yeah. They've been exploring Now with the, I'm going to open up the phone lines, everybody very shortly. If you have any questions for Nick, um, just a, a couple of questions. So are people able to donate um, anonymously to, or, and I asked that because say there is someone who has, you know, um, a large amount of resources, right? Are like, could someone give you $10 million and it'd be anonymous or are they going to be on a list somewhere? Um, I would have to talk to our attorneys, but um, I, could, I could look into that. Well, I just wonder in the sense that maybe there's some, you know, some powerful person who would like to support you without drawing the ire of like, you know, and the attention of these people who are obviously like, you know. No, powerful. I understand that. Yeah. And um, I would have to, uh, I'd, I'd have to talk to our attorney about that. Okay. Do okay. Yeah. That, that was just a. But I'm sure that they probably can give anonymously i'm surmising that they can okay and then uh so the phone lines are open everybody if you want to call one 888 so do you like do you get threats and stuff surely i had uh my first time out in nebraska i had a death threat and um and there's been definitely harassment since then but my thinking on it was this is so evil that it has to be stopped. And, um, you know, if, if they're going to kill me, they're going to kill me. Yeah. Okay. And that, I, was, that was my thinking. I, I mean, that's probably the, the best way to go about it, because the the conspiracy of silence, the documentary that uh, you can check it out. So it was fully produced, correct? 
Actually, you know what? We got a call. Let's take a call and we'll, we'll put a pin in that and get back. Uh, just one moment, please. Actually, you know what? We got a call. Hey, we'll take a call we'll hey can you turn down your uh, thing, please? Yeah, I got her on mute. Good now. Uh, one second. All right, you are. Hold on. All right, you're on with Nick Bryant. Go ahead, caller. Hey, hey, Nick. Uh, first off, uh, I found out about you through uh, Tim Dillon back when he was at a uh, Gas Digital, so like 2016 era. I'm only mentioning that because I like how you're you occupying the forays a guest on uh, multiple comedy type shows like Matt and Shane and War Mode. That's pretty cool. I like that. Right. And uh, my question was, yeah, uh, my question was, um, I've been um, not like trying to figure out, but how do they do this operation, especially with um, how people like accuse the Clintons of like trafficking uh, children from like third world shitholes like Haiti and Western Sub-Saharan Africa. And is, do you think there's a way how, like how now they're in the social landscape as a whole, we need to protect, you know, people of color and all that stuff. But nobody wants to say that like, Oh, you know, leftist Look, you're, you're just saying it's kind of hypocritical of them. Yeah, that, but I'm also trying to figure out like, how is it like they specifically just, Go into these backwards cesspool <laughs> I mean, that, they go. They take advantage of people who are obviously like you know under. Under the, the thing about that is, eighty-five uh, percent of the children that are trafficked in the United States are American children. Eighty-five percent. So there you go. Eighty-five percent. So traffickers are very slick on how to get children. Um, in the Franklin scandal. Uh, traffickers were getting kids out of Boys Town, an orphanage, very famous orphanage, and some other institutions. And uh, Epstein had a little army out there trolling for victims. So these predators are very, very uh, savvy about getting children. They, they do not have a problem getting children. Yeah, and I imagine with um, Ghislaine Maxwell, like she had a, a team of people, like who were. Yeah. Was she? Was there like a hierarchy? Like was she a, a like essentially on par with Epstein, or was she just below him, kind of in terms of their? I, I think that she was uh, his chief lieutenant. Okay, and so and again, all the people who were underneath her, not 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 a single party has even been threatened with anything. None of them. None of them. I mean, it's a real travesty of American justice. Yeah, that's and that's what happens when the media is run by a bunch of ethical eunuchs. Um, if the media was calling for justice, we could probably have justice, but the media isn't going to call for justice. It's interesting. Um, our country pays great lip service to children as its most precious resource, of but course. Um, but children. Um, there's two or three million of them that aren't insured. They're the fast growing segment of the homeless population. Um, at least 22% of them live are growing up below the, the poverty threshold. So our government really in reality hasn't done a great job with children. And before I got into this whole trafficking stuff, I wrote a book about lower socioeconomic children in America. 
and it was called America's Children Trying for Tragedy. And I've written a number of articles about lower socioeconomic children in America. I'm very uh, sensitive to uh, children's issues. And in that book, we showed that like if a child is born with a low birth weight um, and, and they're subjected to five years of continuous poverty, if they're white, their IQ is going to be 90. If they're black, their IQ is going to be 85. So they're pretty much out of the game at mm. that point. They, they, can, they can get like a menial job. Um, when kids are homeless, um, it really decimates them developmentally. And as I said earlier, children are the fast growing segment of the homeless population. So America, what we see with the kids that are below the poverty threshold and homeless, um, I look at that as like a wholesale destruction of children. And I look at Franklin and Epstein as a, as a retail destruction of children, where there is a wholesale destruction of children, there's going to be a retail destruction of children. Yeah. Have you ever thought like I, um, in, ter in terms of the Franklin scandal, like that seems so prime to be like a, a film, the story. And it's just like it, it's crazy because you'd think that I guess the problem is that there's the same people who would be making the film as the same people who want to protect the people who would be the essentially the villains. We have pitched the Franklin scandal all over Hollywood. And actually, we had a big Hollywood legend who got behind it for a while. And uh, we could not get it done. Just can't. The, can't the world is still not ready for the Franklin scandal. It's crazy. Okay, we got another caller. Uh, one moment, please. Hello. Thanks for calling Low Value Mail. Who am I speaking with? Hey, uh, this is Kevin. I've talked to you. Hey, what's or, up? Just, just start once... spamming your phone when. All right, you are. Repeat uh, episode. Yeah, yeah, you are. You're on with Nick. Uh, go ahead. Hey, uh, I just had a question. Um, people in the chat were asking too. True Detective season one is that based off of uh, real stuff? I've heard they had to like edit certain names and places, but I've heard that True Detective one is pretty consistent with all the things you've been talking about. Actually, um, the Franklin scandal is mentioned in True Detective. So, yes. Um, and I remember when True Detective came out, I had friends approaching me saying, you know, this guy ripped off the Franklin scandal. And, um, and then I found it kind of interesting that the Franklin scandal was actually named in one of those episodes. Yeah, so they, yeah, they moved it to Louisiana instead of Kansas. Uh, Nebraska. But when Nebraska. you look at the... Yeah, wherever it was, it, it just seemed similar to the stuff that I've read about. And what do you think about the um, the occult stuff that's involved with that? That's a little bit weird, and I haven't heard any comments about that so far. Do you, they, know, do you think they really believe in a lot of that, or like is it just like an excuse? I have not really looked into that or investigated it. Um, I There's... People have told me things about it, but because I haven't investigated it, um, I don't really want to comment on it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I, I totally understand that. That's a weird rabbit hole to go down with all that stuff. Thank you so much. You, everyone loves you. you. You've been a great guest. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, caller. Um, are you able to say who the the big Hollywood person was or the, that's kind of, um, we kind of, it's, it's fine. If not, we, I, don't know. 
I really started to dislike him at a certain oh. point. So, <laughs> that's, it ended kind of acrimoniously. Oh, okay. um, um, his arrogance started to bother me a little bit. All right. Well, I've, yeah. So I'm going to refrain from naming refrain that. That's fine. That's fine. But, well, so you... but I have named him in, in other interviews. Um, oh, okay. So people can go. If, if, if someone wants to dig through my podcast <laughs> or whatever, his name is floating around somewhere. All right. All right. And so do you think that's dead in the water for, for the, uh, cause the Franklin scandal is just, it's so it's literally unbelievable. Well, right now, um, we, have uh, we've been approached by uh english company and uh from the uk but you know i get approached all the time there are producers that really want to do something with the franklin scandal really want to do something and we always get to the very top and it's generally an executive vice president that really wants to do it and then the president of that particular company vetoes it. Right. I've got uh, this UK company and they've put out some really good stuff. And I was thinking I might have my best shot in the UK. Um, so that's that relationship is relatively new. I'm just going to have to see what happens. But um, I have gotten my hopes up a number of times yeah. thinking that thinking that it was going to happen. And um and my hopes were dashed kind of at the uh, 11th hour. Yeah, that's generally the, the the film industry for the most part. As someone who's, yes. you know, on that side of it, too. It's just a lot of times you're like a lot of talk. And then until there's action, you're like, you can't even really uh, yeah. look too much into it. And I'll say this, that the Franklin scandal was optioned by Magnolia Pictures. Um, and Magnolia Pictures couldn't get anything done with it. Right. So. Does it ever uh, like a little uh, like, you know, that that conspiracy guy in the back of your brain go, maybe they're optioning it so that they don't make it? Um, Not with them. No. OK. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Magnolia. Pictures, but, so. but I do know. And this is uh, I've, I've got the recording that's on my uh, podcast. Um, there was an independent studio and the vice president was really into the story, really into the story. And he wanted to do it. And um, I met him twice in L.A. And within five or ten minutes of me leaving his office after a very good meeting, he was given a very strange phone call that was voice modulated. Really? And, uh, yeah. And, and, and he, he was ultimately threatened. And, um, and it was kind of weird because he's a, kind of a swashbuckling Hollywood executive type and uh, with a sports car and beautiful girlfriend. Um, and he just kind of disintegrated. I told him it was former FBI agents that did security for that particular studio. And um, I told the vice president, I said, do not get those FBI guys involved because it was the FBI that covered up uh, the, the Franklin trafficking network. I said, do not get those FBI guys involved. And the first thing he did was go to those FBI guys. So uh, yeah. um, I think he brought a lot of that. You almost himself. have to make this film in secret. Like, <laughs> honestly, you'd have to make the film in secret and then just release it. Like, <laughs> like you'd almost have, that's the only way, like it would have to be someone not in Hollywood that just finances it. You make it off the, off the grid 
and then just put it out. Because, I mean, based on how The Sound of Freedom's doing, this thing would be gangbusters. I, I think that it would be. And um, despite the mainstream media attacking it as a QAnon conspiracy, I mean, the mainstream media has really, really attacked this. Um, like majorly, majorly. And to the point, like, there's a lot of lies because there was a lot of posts saying like, oh, they're just buying up all the reason it's doing so well is because donors are buying up yeah. all the tickets, but the theaters are actually empty. But I know people who have gone to see it and they're like, the theater was not empty. Like the theater was very full. Every, I, I've got to see it uh, in the next week or so. But as I said, my friends that have seen it have thought it was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I guess just out of uh, my curiosity, what does the person who thinks like the this Franklin scandal, like is there anybody who's like, yeah, it's, it's actually BS or whatever to like those group, kids were all lying. Like are there people out there who would who are on the record of saying like, well, no actually, Here's what's really troubling is uh, Wikipedia. Um, a bunch of unscrupulous editors have taken over the Franklin child abuse allegations page and made it completely nonsensical and it's locked down. And um, if you go to my website, nickbrynyc.com, I'll show you excerpts. There's been battles waged over that page. And these fascist editors are not going to let anything involving the Franklin child abuse allegations sound reasonable. I mean, it, it's like a devil worshiping feces eating type shit. And, um, and actually I tried to go the, the, the route of uh, legitimate route of talking to editors um, that were not these editors. And I was told that they're like the worst editors in Wikipedia, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, can you help me? So finally I decided to call Jimmy Wells. I'm a- uh, Jimmy uh, Wells is the founder of- The founder of Wikipedia. And um, I called him and he was very congenial. I'm actually gonna be putting that conversation up on my website. And um, he was very congenial. He said he'd look into it um, and he said, he gave me his email and he said that I should email him some stuff. And I emailed him some stuff. He never got back to me on that. And I called him again and um, about a week and a half later. And then um, he texted me saying that he'd gotten the Franklin scale and he was looking into it. And then I called him about a week and a half later after that. And um, he gave me a text saying that it's a, it's, it's, a, it seems to me it's a hoax. So um, he, the, Jimmy, the, obviously, the founder Jimmy of Wikipedia said that the Frank yeah. scandal is a hoax. Yeah. The whole after thing. He, He's just after, like, after, after he said he read the Franklin scandal. Now there's no way that someone can read the Franklin scandal and say it's a hoax. I just have too much corroboration in, in that book. And, and some of the documents were so mind blowing that we put them in the back of the book. Um, and so, so what do you think's going on there? Well, it's, and this is why Epstein justice is so important. What we have is a dark malignant corner of our intelligence that panders children to our freak politicians and uh, leaders. And that's one thing that, I, I mean, the American people are very polarized now between right and left and religions and colors and things like that. But the one thing that could unite the American people and what they would really demand change is if this dark malignant corner of our intelligence was outed and 
we could demonstrate that they are pandering children. They are trafficking children and pandering them to our, our powerful officials. And that's just and the that's one. What, and yeah. that's what Epstein Justice is about. We're going to bore down into that and, and show America the sewer, the, the sewer that, uh, that, that is governing yeah that's I, I mean i can tell you not a lot of people uh I, th I think really really know the extent of any of this stuff um all right i got another caller uh one moment please hello thanks for calling low value mail hey a, how you doing one second please while we patch you through and all right you are on with nick hey what's going on fellas hey todd um, I have a question, uh, maybe two, we'll see, but, uh, I was just wondering if you have any opinions on, um, that, uh, former deputy sheriff, John Mark Dugan, who claims to have around 470 videos of Jeffrey Epstein's, uh, stash, I guess you could call it. And he's, uh, he's now in Russia and he's, uh, I guess a bit of trivia. He's a the fourth American citizen to receive asylum in Russia. Do you have any opinions or thoughts on him? Yeah, he was a former uh, Florida lawman. I think that if he had that evidence, I mean, he's been given immunity in Russia. Um, if he had that or asylum in Russia, so ultimately immunity, if, if, and, and there's nothing that Putin would like more than to show those videos. So I think that if he actually had those videos, they would have been shown by now. Okay, so you think he's bluffing, essentially. Um, it, well, it doesn't make any sense. Putin's Not gonna to put protect words in him. your mouth. Putin's gonna protect him. And so why doesn't he edify the world um, if, he, if he has the goods? No, well, fair enough. Um, and then just one more quick question. Uh, do you have any opinion on the uh, the allegations of uh, Katie Johnson and the uh, story of uh, Maria, who is a girl that was uh, abducted from Waterbury, Connecticut in uh, 1993? I've and, uh, dug um, into that pretty intensely. And um, okay. I actually, I, I found Katie Johnson. I know where she's okay. living. And... Um, but she's unwilling to talk at this point. And um, I've sent her a couple of emails. And if she's the victim that she says she is, um, she's obviously been through some difficulties. I try to, you know, with the, uh, the work that I do, I'm continually um, coming across victims of horrific abuse. And I try not to push them um right and and it's kind of well, a minefield I, because right. you never know how some of them are going to react too so you've got to walk gingerly um when you're dealing with uh victims of horrific sexual abuse but i know about yes, that case course. and i would oh. love for her to talk to me um there are people that she's talked to who, um who believe her but mm -hmm. and lisa bloom was her attorney and Lisa Bloom, she, I guess she was staying in a uh, hotel in L.A., and Lisa Bloom picked her up and sprung a press conference on her. 
I mean, that's how it's come to me. And, and then at that point, she was very frightened and started to recant. So Yes, because I do believe her life was threatened. Uh, so, yeah, she got some phone calls. And um, that's yeah. that's how it's come to me. And like, it took me a long time to find her, but I found her. and uh, But she doesn't really want to talk. And I'm not going to push her. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, no, I don't uh, Yeah. Just uh, one, just trying to pick your brain a little bit. Uh, okay. Appreciate your work. But she and, she uh, is out there. She is out there, and um, and actually, she's cutting pace of the life for herself. She's got a, she she's um doing well in a certain vocation that isn't involved in the sex industry, and she's got a boyfriend. I mean, I've looked at her Facebook page, and um, she seems to be doing. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. At least I mean, not a completely destroyed life. Yeah. Um, no, I just uh, thank you for your work. You're welcome. Uh, All right, I'll let you guys go. Uh, thanks for calling. On to the, onward. <laughs> um. Yeah. Thanks for that caller. So, uh, is there like speaking of that uh, of the previous caller, but like, is there any ongo- ongoing kind of campaign for anybody who like might want to speak out to kind of keep them silent? Like, because there must be like how many victims in at least the Epstein thing. Are there specific? There's a, there's a lot of victims. Like hundreds, thousands? Definitely hundreds. Uh, could go into the thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but like, you know, for any one of them that might right now say, you know what, I've had a change of heart. I actually want to go like speak out about this stuff. Like, is there anybody who's kind of like making sure that they remain silent either by paying them off or like. Like, how do you get so many people to just not say anything? Or is there just like the fear of like, look, what we did to Jeffrey Epstein? I believe that um, only 240 victims have come forward for that settlement, for those uh, for the settlement from Epstein's estate. Um, So there's hundreds out there. And why wouldn't they come forward if there's all this money? Like, cause you said what, $200 because, million? Dollars? Because they've been threatened and terrified and they're terrified of their perpetrators. The perpetrators in the Epstein and the Franklin cases, they they're all the way up the food chain. Like I said, um, Alexandra Costa, the U.S. attorney for Southern Florida, he was told to stand down. And there's only two people that can tell a U.S. attorney to stand down. One's the president, one's the attorney general. Who, who was the president so, at the time? Um, at the time, it was uh, Obama. Obama. So he was either that or whoever Obama's attorney general was told him. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's very, very crazy stuff. But four, four administrations and uh, two of them been Republican, two of them been Democrats. So um, obviously this is going on um, on both sides of the aisle. If this was just a Republican or a Democrat thing, the other would be attacking. But uh, but this is something that affects all our legislators. Yeah, um, I have a question from uh, Matt. He's he's one of the patients of the show, but he says, "Why doesn't Ghislaine Maxwell just come out and name names, considering she's already in prison? Is it just Ghislaine Maxwell made a deal, like Lawrence E. King made a deal?" And, and what, what was, do you know the details of it? I don't know the details, but I'm extrapolating that um, Ghislaine Maxwell was told. You keep your mouth shut and you'll eventually get out of prison. You've got all that money waiting for you. You saw what happened to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, So, and then she was, and the travesty of that is, Glenn Maxwell uh, was integral to the trafficking of uh, 
hundreds, hundreds yeah. of underage girls. And she was indicted on one count of child trafficking. It's crazy. And and, and the, 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 and the four witnesses, the four witnesses that were called to testify against her, they had only been molested by uh, Maxwell and Epstein. They had they had never the, the girls that had been molested by like a bunch of the the power brokers. None of them were called. That was a carefully choreographed uh, uh, trial. And it's it's interesting in light of the whole like the Alicia Owen thing how. They charged her with every possible charge to just stack on the years, right? And like, you know what's amazing about Alicia is she's an amazing human being, and actually she's an associate director of uh, Epstein Justice. Okay, H- how long did she spend uh, in jail? In in totality, she I think she spent like nine years in prison. So basically, they gave her the mint. That's crazy for. But she. Um, she got a college degree. She's happily married. She's got a nice house. Um, it's a, she's an amazing person. Uh, she's not filled with hate. She realized that uh, hate was not uh, going to help her. Yeah. So she's made peace with it all. Um, although, as I said, she's an associate director of Epstein Justice, and she really wants to pursue this. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I have a question here from um, Bill. It says, does Nick know about Mark Dutro and the infamous Belgian pedophile ring? He was part of that involved politicians and other powerful people. Yeah, I know the Mark Dutro case very well. Um, Mark Dutro was part of a uh, power broker pedophile network. And um, he murdered, I believe it was four girls. He was, some of these guys are major sadists. But the malfeasance there was pretty amazing. And actually there were uh, people in law enforcement that came out and said that this is a cover up. So it's definitely, and I mean, when you get cops to come out and say that, like uh, Michael Ryder, the uh, Palm Beach police department chief, um, he came out and said, this is a cover up, but there's been a bunch of uh, uh, law enforcement people that are associated with Dutro that have come out and said that this is uh this is a cover-up and actually there were like two hundred thousand belgians that hit the streets um in protest and that's what we need in the united states of america we need people to hit the streets and demand justice um and it was effective in belgium what's that it was effective the the protests um or at it, least moved moved in the right direction um Additional names have come out in Dutro, but Dutro was the one that has primarily been um, done the time. Yeah. But additional names came out. And in terms of like the the Franklin uh, scandal, because obviously, or not obviously, but but I guess the Epstein stuff was more of an international sex trafficking ring. Was the Franklin? Yeah, I mean, it was it was primarily domestic. But it was primarily. Yeah. It trafficked. I mean, uh, he bought kids and he he bought young girls in Eastern Europe. And like, how, how does like how did the how does that even work? Like, how do you do the like how do you buy? Like, how do you take it? Uh, you're like what? You, like, is Ghislaine Maxwell care for them? Like, how how does that? How do they get into the country? Like, for me, you know, I, I'm Canadian. Like, to come to America is pain in the ass. Like, to live here is it's a whole a whole ordeal. Like, are they sponsoring them for visas? Like, um, 
I have no idea of how they do it, but obviously, um, if the president and attorney general are willing to pull strings for right. someone, yeah, they're not going to have a, a very difficult time trafficking kids into the United States of America, right? And people are, you know, I hate to say this, but there are people that are willing to sell their children, and then you end up uh, with a lot of children in orphanages, and they're very corrupt and they're willing to sell the children it's for these guys like i said they're they're super predators they they know how to get kids yeah and so um w- coming up so so i i guess you you, you have a uh, you're uh, you launched last week with the, with the Epstein justice yeah. thing and yeah. so w- what are the next steps with that other than just getting awareness for it um Epstein justice we're looking for volunteers um, with social media, you can t- contact us, EpsteinJustice.com, and um, we're looking for resources at this point. And um, we just launched last week. As I said, we've got a great team. We've got a great board of advisors. Um, we've got a solid plan, and uh, we just need to grow it okay. at this point. All right, we got. And, uh, oh, sorry, I just got another caller here. And we we need we need your listeners, your viewers to uh, to help us. Okay. One, one second, please. I got another call here. Hello. Oh, we lost him. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like a, a pretty. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's so crazy because the, the whole polarization of the thing. I know you were talking about the two hundred thousand people in Belgium, and I feel like if two hundred thousand people came out right now and did that. Oh, you can't hear. Oh, sorry. Uh, hold on a second. Um. Oh. Danny, I can't. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry. Uh, There's something with. Okay. Uh, We have a caller here. Sorry about that. One moment, please. Hello. Thanks for calling Low Value Mail. Who am I speaking with? What's going on, Danny? Hey, Chad. How you doing, buddy? Chad, you're on with Nick. Go ahead. How you doing, Nick? Good. How you doing, Chad? Uh, Can't complain, man. I hear the type of thing that you're talking about. And I was wondering if you had ever heard about uh, this this lady named Savali. Who? Savali? Savali. Have you ever heard that name? I have not, no. Who, who is she, Chad? Uh, okay. There, she, I don't know. All right. So, like, I used to, I, I mentioned on the show before, I used to listen to this dude named David Wilcox. And he used to be talking about... Uh, at one point, there was this this woman who came from like, like pretty much like the deep levels of the Illuminati. Like she had made it out, but she pretty much was like a, a child groomer. Like, yeah. See, I, I was honestly, I was really hoping that she <laughs> did know. Like, it's a lot to explain, but I mean, essentially, she like when he when he was talking about it, he just said that. She was uh, like grooming these children of these very rich people who was like essentially like giving away their children to this type of like abuse because they because they believe in some type of demonic type of stuff anyway for like basically uh, a cult yeah, demonic stuff. But yeah, I've, I've never heard of that, that name. Yeah. That name does yeah, not ring a bell, but, uh, but people will give up their children. I know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. All right. Anything else, Chad? 
Uh, no, nah, that's it, man. I just wanted to know if you knew about that. All right. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. man. Have a good Thank night. Um. So, uh, yeah, I was saying just just before, uh, sorry, we got cut off. But um, so, yeah, I was saying that, like, in terms of the Belgium stuff, like, if 200,000 people went and protested in America right now, it would likely be painted by most of the media as, like, some QAnon rally, essentially, right? Like, how can it be done and not framed when we're in such a, like, hyper-partisan? Well, the thing about it is, um, like, with the civil rights movement, um the people in the civil rights movement were painted as lunatics initially and um ultimately it grew and it grew and it grew and it broke through and movements like these are not easy but they're possible history has shown that great change can occur if people get together and it's going to be up to us to get together, whether we're on the right or the left, regardless of our religion, regardless regardless of our race, we have to come together on this. And in the very least, we do not want, as I said earlier, to give our children a government that protects child molesters. We do not want to give our children that fate. Yeah, which is, and, and seems also, like a, it seems like something there could be zero people who would disagree with, right? Yeah. Like you're, so, it's one of those things where you go, who's against this? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's some government officials and pedophiles against it. Well, sure. That, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Besides the uh, truly evil people. A, a, a very small fraction of people. So that's what we need to do as Americans. And um, even people that aren't political can get involved in this because it's just doing the right thing. We, we need to do the right thing. And, as I said uh, earlier, too, is our government is making laws that cause extreme wall polarization, that trample on our constitutional rights to privacy. Um, that's part of the cesspool that governs us, that protects child molesters. If, if, if we bore into Epstein deep enough, we can, we can clean out that, that cesspool. Yeah. You brought up... Um... Kennedy, obviously, earlier, the, the, the magic bullet or whatever. But so yeah. I, I pretty recently they uh, Biden resealed or not resealed, but decided to keep the whole files from that sealed for what was it, another 80 years or something, which my presumption, I think most people is, is that it just implicates the government. Do you think that'll be something with the Franklin scandal where like maybe one day when it's so far in the rear view mirror that they can admit it? Or is it just like, it's nothing they can admit until the whole system is toppled that enabled it. Well, the thing about it is that dark malignant corner of our intelligence is never going to admit that it's trafficking children. It's, it's never going to admit. And is it because they think that they're like, we're doing this for like a, a, a somewhat benevolent reason. Like it's to protect the country, even in their minds. Like, is that what it is? I think that uh, some of them believe that at a certain level, but then a lot of them are just evil, malicious, malignant people that uh, they they enjoy. I mean, the reason why they're trafficking children a lot of the time is because they're pedophiles. And but so, like and yeah, but like they they you know there must be so many. It just seems so hard to believe that there's people in government who you would think are you know they get into working for the government to help the country. And then they can just kind of look past this one little thing. They go, okay, that's just something that happens. 
Well, there's uh, there's 535 representatives. There's 100 senators. Not one of them has wanted an investigation into uh, into Jeffrey Epstein. Not one of them has called for an investigation into Jeffrey Epstein. That gives you an idea of the kind of corruption that we're dealing with. Yeah, that's. And I'm sure that there's some good people in our government. Uh, I think a relatively small percentage that aren't compromised or have made Faustian pacts. Very don't... small percentage, but even they won't call for uh, right. a, an investigation into Jeffrey Epstein. All right. All right. We're going to wrap this up shortly. I have another caller here. Oh, no. Just lost them. All right. Um, you have a you have a new book coming out, correct? I do. I uh, book's coming out in a couple of months. It's called The Truth About Watergate, A Tale of Extraordinary Lies and Liars. Yes. And so how long have you been working on that for a little bit, right? I heard you talking about it. I've been working on it for a while. I had to put it down because I ghost wrote a book for someone and um, I I had to write some other stuff, but um, it's in galleys now and uh, it'll be published in a couple of months. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. And like what, uh, not to get totally off topic, because I know that uh, the main kind of crux of this has has been the Epstein stuff, but like, did you find a lot of new things in or... Uh, in regards to the Watergate? Like well, stuff that at the of... heart of Watergate is a CIA sexual blackmail operation. That's what it all comes down to, huh? Every time, just all of this at, stuff. At the heart of Watergate. And, and it's amazing that most Americans don't even know about that. But, I, yeah, I have no I, idea. I, yeah. I prove in that book that at the heart of it is a CIA sexual blackmail operation. So it, it I mean, it occurred in Watergate, uh, Franklin, um, Epstein, it, it's going to keep going. And, uh, we, we, as Americans have to, uh, have to put a stop to it. Um, okay. We got, we got another caller here and we're going to wrap this up shortly. I thank you again for your time. Hello. Thanks for calling low value mail. Who am I speaking with? Hey, it's Martin. A one second, please. While I patch you through. Sure. And you are on with Nick. Go ahead. Hey, uh, this is a really interesting and important. Um, I, I only started watching maybe, I don't know, maybe half an hour. So I'm not sure if you touched on this on, on you know, Oprah's guru, you know, that guy, uh, something in Spanish there. Uh, I think it's of, of God, man, John of God or something like that. <clears throat> and uh, so apparently he's been arrested recently. And like, he was like, he basically had, like these these young women uh, bearing children, like repeatedly, and those were the children that they were children that they were trafficking. Um, that's I mean that's something that I imagined was possible, uh, but to read it, uh, what do you guys know of this, or what do you know? Is it Nick? I think. Uh, yeah, what do you know of this of this man? I um, there has been some. Are you talking about what? It's coming out of Utah. No, I, this guy was in South America somewhere. He, he was, was Oprah's? Oprah went. Yeah, he was on Oprah. Oh yeah, like they would uh, like this. I remember when this guy was on. He was like her spiritual guru, but it turns out like he's doing human trafficking uh, as well, and he's been caught. John, well, John hey, of God. Someone this, says in the chat, John of God. Yeah, John. John of yeah. It's a, I can give you my uh, experience. When I was a teenager, I went and lived with a genuine Indian guru on an ashram. Um, I was captivated by the Dharma bombs, and uh, I got into Eastern philosophy. 
And I went and lived with this guru. It was uh, in Honesville, Pennsylvania, up on a mountain. And I was talking to the guru. And, um, you know, I could have, and the guru was supposed to be an enlightened being. He was a swami, which means celibate. And um, I was talking to the guru one day and, you know, I could have sworn I smelled cigarettes on his breath. And um, so I went to one of the people on the ashram who I'd eventually called the pod people. I went to one of the pods and I said, you know, I could have swore I smelled cigarettes on the swami's breath. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, well, see, here's the thing with that. Um, he has to have one vice that keeps him tethered to this plane of reality so he can teach us. Now, that did not make a lot of sense to me, but I was learning <laughs> yeah. how to meditate and I was learning yoga. It was actually a great learning experience. But then I found out he was having sex with a lot of the girls on the ashram. And then I found out he was embezzling money from his more affluent initiates. And I thought to myself, wow, this guy has to be really spiritually developed just to do all that <laughs> stuff to keep on this plane of reality so he can teach us. So I am skeptical of gurus. Uh, you, I mean, you show me a guru and I'll, chances are I'll show you. Yeah, generally. And, and, and they, sexual malfeasance. Yeah, generally they all, it seems like every, you know, the, the Nexium, all that stuff, they all always organize in the same way where there's one guy at the top and then they end up sleeping with all the women or most of them. Yeah, for the most part. Um, all right, so we're going to wrap this up. Nick, so where can uh, where can people find you? What, what's the best way to support you? So you can go to uh, my website, nickbrynnyc.com, or I'd love for your listeners and viewers to check out uh, epsteinjustice.com. Epsteinjustice.com. Okay, and they can sign up to be volunteers if they, if if they want. Or, yeah, you can uh, you can leave a message, uh, leave an email for us in the information, um, and uh, we'll be happy to get back to you. And uh, we'll, and we need young people. Yeah, I mean to do this. It's going to be if this happens, and I hope it will. It's going to be young people that are going to have uh, to leave. Okay, let's take one last call, and then we'll let you go. One second, please. Hello. Thanks for calling Low Value Mail. You are the last caller of the night. Who am I speaking with? Hi, uh, my name is Brad. Hey, Brad, one second, please, while we patch you through. And you're on with Nick. Go ahead, Brad. Last caller of the evening. All right. Well, I have uh, an interesting question. Um, it's about birth certificates and this child trafficking. Um, how many people or these children don't have birth certificates such that they're they're not even a part of the system? How do you How do you even know that they're even being trafficked if you don't know that they're registered and you don't know they're citizens, they don't have rights as, as legal entities if they don't have birth certificates. So it's, it's kind of hard to go after them and find them if, they, if they're not registered citizens, right? So what is the, the, the percentage of these kids that have birth certificates and don't have birth certificates? I, I couldn't give you a percentage, but there's a huge underground network of child trafficking. Huge. And... Um, The Centers on Disease Control, the Centers for Disease Control, says that uh, 25% of girls are molested as under as underage girls, and uh, and seven to eight percent of boys are molested. Now, I think that it grossly underestimates the number of boys that are molested, but mm -hmm. that translates into over 50 million people. Wow. Um, and those are conservative numbers from the Center for D Disease Control. So 
there's a huge, huge underground market for trafficking children. Okay, so um, I, I guess that's one of the things that 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 brings a lot of concern for me is is that these people could be having baby factories manufacturing children for their own purposes and then not registering on purpose, not registering these kids to keep them out of the system and keep them in the deep underground, what have you, in the, in the dark. Um, so, I mean, it's just very concerning to me. Is there any that, evidence you know, of, of something like that happening, though, or, or is that just kind of more of a theory? Um, a number of people have come forward and said stuff like that. Now, this is kind of interesting. I was interviewing... Uh, uh, Juliet Bryant, who was an Epstein victim, and she was an Epstein's New Mexico place is kind of weird. Um, two Mexico, two New Mexico governors have been named as perpetrators, Bruce King and uh, Bill Richardson. Actually, Bill Richardson was, uh, in addition to being the governor of New Mexico, he was uh, Bill Clinton's energy out. So both those guys have been named. And, and Epstein didn't even have to register as a sex offender in New Mexico. But anyway, Julian Bryant was at his place in New Mexico and she came to and she said that she was on a table and that there was a woman uh, doctor and she was harvesting her eggs. So um, that has a lot of implications. But in 1998, Dolly the sheep was cloned. And um, I used to write for uh, I used to write for a science news service, and um, Dolly, she was cloned. And I was seeing myself if, if a sheep can be cloned, um, definitely humans can be cloned. Um, it's not that mm -hmm. difficult, and and actually, people can be cloned for around one point five million dollars. Uh, there are people getting their French bulldogs cloned, yeah. um, or sixty thousand dollars. Like essentially, it's just it's not financially practical, but if you have unlimited money. $1.5 million right. and to one of these guys is nothing. Nothing, yeah. Well, the, the, the way the banking system works is they can basically loan money into existence that didn't exist before they made the loan. So it, they can just create any amount of money. And when they set the, basically the reserve requirement to effectively zero uh, over the, the course of COVID, oh, my God, it means they can quite literally loan into existence an infinite amount of money based upon almost nothing i mean you can take a dollar and loan in, in basically an infinite amount of money from that dollar by rehypothecation and whatnot i mean it's yeah the, the money is really no issue for these people at the, at the higher level i think so, the fact that uh jp morgan settled with epstein victims for 290 million dollars did, did they admit I, any wrongdoing or like how did they uh kind of like wipe their hands of that like what did they we say they did well, for two hundred? The, the the definitive um, settlement is still being hammered out, but uh, I'm pretty sure that they'll give two hundred ninety million dollars in exchange for pleading innocent to any malfeasance. So and they're the, paying the, two hundred ninety million dollars. They're paying two hundred ninety million dollars. They're saying we didn't do anything wrong, but maybe mistakes were made. Like is that essentially what they're saying? They're just like, yeah. some mistakes were made. We're sorry we allowed him to bank with us and perpetrate all his crimes but we didn't know yeah get get out of jp morgan and one of the one of the things that i have discovered about how banking works is that they can take a receipt 
and put it back into the system as if it were the money that it represents, I guess you could call it. And so, I mean, one, I mean, I, I, theoretically, this is what I what I've kind of been looking at and what could actually be taking place. I don't I can't prove it, but this is definitely something to, to, to be to be for people to consider. Right. Yeah. And that is that they take they take the receipt. OK, and then they use that to rehypothecate and loan more money into the existence and then use that money they loan into existence to pay the receipt that they use to loan. The Basically money like existence. a giant so circular. The... Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So they're using the receipt to pay the the, the victims from the receipt. That, and it's it's all backwards and screwy. You know? Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Thanks, so, Colin. Anyway. I appreciate it. Thank, thank, you. thank you very much. Um, all right. That that's been the show. Uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Nick, for taking the time out and uh, talking to everybody. And yeah, that's uh, that's a lot, lot to really think about. Um, everybody go check out uh, both of his websites, Nick Bryant, NYC and Epstein Justice. And also I have a podcast, uh, the Nick Bryant podcast comes out every Friday. OK, what do you what do you, what do you uh, talk about on the podcast? Um, a lot of different stuff. A lot of different, but we do get into uh, child trafficking quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. And dissociative well, identity disorder. The okay. things that uh, people, kids that get trafficked, ultimately, most of them end up with dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder. Really? Okay. That's, uh, man, it's awful stuff. But you were, you are truly doing the Lord's work, Nick. Uh, thank you very much again for coming on. Everybody, thank you for checking out the show. Uh, that has been your show. Tomorrow night, new episode of The Bathhouse. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash low value mail. I've been Danny Paul Shuck. Have a good night. Yeah.